Welcome to Global Dispatches, a podcast about foreign policy and world affairs. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg, editor of UN Dispatch. And in this show, we discuss topical global issues, have conversations with foreign affairs thought leaders and newsmakers, and give you the context you need to understand the world today. Go to globaldispatchespodcast.com to learn more. And now on with the show. For the past three weeks, Algeria has been rocked by mass protests that hearken to the Arab Spring. The protests were triggered by the decision of longtime ruler Abdelaziz Bouteflika to run for another term in office in elections scheduled for April. Bouteflika came to power in 1999 as the architect of a peace accord that ended Algeria's brutal civil war that killed as many as 200,000 people in the 1990s. But Bouteflika is now 82 years old and has not been seen in public since suffering a stroke over five years ago. His decision to stand for elections, or probably more accurately, the decision of those around him to have him stand for elections, is being widely rejected by these protesters. Also fueling the protests is Algeria's languishing economy and a looming fiscal crisis propelled by falling prices of oil and natural gas. On the line with me to discuss this unfolding situation in Algeria is Dr. Dalia Ghanem, visiting scholar at the Carnegie Middle East Center in Beirut, which is where I caught up with her. We kick off with a basic question on the mind of many Algerians, where is President Bouteflika? We then discuss the politics of who is running the country while Bouteflika is possibly incapacitated. We have a longer conversation about what is driving these protests and where these protests may be headed. I think you all find this a very useful conversation for understanding events as they unfold in Algeria over the coming weeks and months. Uh, One quick announcement before we begin. I will be in Oxford in mid-April participating in the Skoll World Forum. This is a major conference around social entrepreneurship around which I'll be doing some interviews. I suspect some of you who are listening to this show will also be at the Skoll World Forum, so please come say hello. I also know that I have listeners in general around Oxford, so reach out. I would love to meet up. I always love meeting listeners in person. Uh, You can reach out to me using the contact button on globaldispatchespodcast.com, or just hit me up on Twitter at Mark L. Goldberg. All right, now here is my conversation with Dr. Dahlia Ghanem. Looking for a trustworthy podcast to bring you unfiltered viewpoints and experiences on global health? Tune into Global Health Matters, the podcast that connects silos and amplifies diverse voices to give you a holistic picture. Each month, Dr. Gary Aslanian from the World Health Organization hosts discussions with guests spanning former ministers of health, award-winning journalists and authors, and frontline public health workers. Join listeners from across 180 countries for an exciting Season 4, launching in June. Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. The French uh, channel, uh, Canal Plus, revealed the information. He is in a hospital in Geneva at the eighth floor of the CHU uh, in Geneva. In Geneva, sorry. The reporter who was doing the report even met his uh, brother, uh, Nasser Bouteflika, in the eighth floor. So we do know where is he. 
uh, we don't know in which state, but we can easily guess. So, you know, if he is incapacitated, if he is yep. out of the country in Europe, who's running the country? Well, it is the same people who has been running the country since uh, President Bouteflika has been, you know, uh, hit by a stroke in 2013 and has been since then, you know, in, this, uh, in if I may say, a debilitation state uh, of uh, long-standing illness. He's been unable to walk, unable to address his people for six years. And uh, for all these years, it's been uh, his brothers, uh, his clan, uh, but also, you know, um, the different circles that compose the Algerian regime. And uh, like, what are some of the um, individuals in this that are perhaps like the most influential? And, you know, if he is, if he really is like, you know, incapacitated as he seems to be and is unable to run the affairs of, of state, it's basically you have these like competing power centers that are, you know, choosing the direction of the state. That's true. I think the most, uh, at least the, the, the person, uh, that we've been hearing a lot about is his brother, uh, Saeed Bouteflika. Um, but, you know, again, um, the circles, uh, that compose the Algerian regime that is highly complex and opaque are uh, several and numerous. Uh, so it is uh, circles of state bureaucrats, business leaders, and of course, political military elites. The thing is that all these circles are often connected by family, tribal, or regional ties. Uh, but they they all have closely knitted connection and interdependence between the country's military elite, business elite, uh, the Bouteflika clan, and so on and so forth. Um, and of course, these relationships are not written in stone and, you know, allegiances are fluid. But uh, grosso modo, if I may say, these are all the circles and the competing circles that are composed, uh, uh, composing the Algerian regime. So can we just kind of go back a little bit and can you explain who is uh, Bouteflika? How did he come to power? Like what, what do we need to know about him in this moment? Uh, well, Bouteflika uh, came in power in 1999. Uh, before that, he was exiled. He was exiled actually in Switzerland. So he has a longer story with uh, with uh, this country. Um, Bouteflika was is very well known for being the youngest uh, Algerian minister in the history of uh, Algeria. Uh, he was close to uh, Houari Boumedien. Uh, when he came back uh, from his traversée du désert, as we say in French, uh, in 1999, he became president of Algeria. He is seen as being the architect of uh, of uh, the peace in Algeria. Uh, you do know uh, that Algeria has been uh, severely hit by a civil war between 1991 and 2002, and it is uh, uh, it is believed uh, 
that Bouteflika was the architect of peace, while it is true and not because actually President Zerwell before him initiated, you know, reconciliation and uh, peace process. Uh, but uh, he's been also known for rehabilitating Algeria on the international scene. Uh, so, you know, the image of the president was until recently pretty good. And as a matter of fact, it's very important to note that, you know, I was in Algeria a few days ago. I actually flew back to Beirut uh, yesterday and I participated to the demonstration myself. Uh, as an observer, uh, because I am a scholar, but also as a, uh, as a participant, because I am an Algerian citizen. And it was very enlightening to see that Algerians are very, you know, grateful, uh, if I may say, and cognizant about uh, the achievements of President Bouteflika. They would tell you, yes, he brought back peace. Uh, yes, he brought back Algeria on the international scene. Uh, but yet he brought also his clan, his supporters, and they've been robbing the country for 20 years. Uh, but, you know, most of the time, Algerian would tell you, will tell you, sorry, we are not against the man. We are against all what is around the man and the system. Uh, they would tell you that President Bouteflika is very sick. He is probably not aware of what's going on uh, around him. And they should just let him go. Uh, unfortunately, uh, this entire, you know, situation has sullied, if I may say, the image uh, of President Bouteflika. And most of the time, uh, Algerian would tell you, c'est dommage, mm -hmm. in the sense it's a pity uh, that he didn't know where to stop. Especially that, you know, he was the president that said once in a very famous speech uh, when he was still very healthy, he said, uh, we, uh, we are the generation, we the generation of 1962, in Arabic, which means, which can be translated by, um, we, our time is over. And he said, my time is over. And this is the time for youth to take back, um, uh, power. So he gave a lot of hope to Al Algerian, and yet he is the president that has been there for 20 years, you know, uh, clinging to power despite a very, very poor uh, health. So this has been, you know, a very disappointing point uh, for uh, millions of Algerians who want their dignity back. So you were in Algeria, you were participating in these protests. Can you explain um, who are the protesters is there any sort of centrally direction is there any sort of central direction of the protesters what is the demographics of the protest movement how widespread it is it and does it have any sort of institutional support from you know key players in algerian politics well, uh, that's a very good question. Actually, I was really impressed. Uh, I marched first with the student in the University of Ben Aknoun in Algiers on February 26th. And those were all very young students, you know, 21, 22. They didn't witness the Arab Spring. Uh, uh, sorry, they didn't. Uh, I reformulate. Uh, they didn't witness the Black Decade, yet they were very aware of the dangers of violence because the memory of the collective memory of the civil war is still present because their parents told them about the civil war and because they know
know what we've been through um, in the 90s. And then on March 1st, the demographic was very interesting. I saw people from all ages, from all generation and from all social classes. I've seen, you know, uh, people who were in their 20s, people in their 30s, uh, in their 40s. I myself marched with my mother, with my sister-in-law, with my cousins. Um, uh, I saw elderly people, senior people in uh, in uh, in wheelchairs. Uh, I saw family with their kids, uh, holding their kids on their shoulders. Uh, I saw students, unemployed, lawyers, doctors, retired. And that is the entire Algerian population. I think it is very representative. When it comes to organization, there is no leader behind this, uh, these demonstrations. They are really spontaneous and uh, the call has been, uh, you know, made on Facebook. Facebook is really uh, used in Algeria. It is not Twitter. It is, it is Facebook. And the call has been made on Facebook, you know. It is very spontaneous, non-organized. There is no uh, there is no leader behind uh, them, and I think this is what makes, for the moment, the strength of uh, this uh, mobilization. Um, I do believe that the mobilization uh, can uh, turn into a successful uh, social movement if one the remain uh, the sorry if one the purpose and the objective of the demonstration remain the same, meaning getting rid of President Bouteflika and uh, his supporters. And two, if uh, the demonstration remain as peaceful as what I saw, then they will be able, you know, to uh, convince more people uh, to join uh, and uh, to uh, convince those who are already uh, there to stay behind the movement. Any violence might alienate people participating and those who still have to be convinced. So if Bouteflika's name was removed from the ballot, uh, then you would consider the protest movement a success? I think it will be a big success for uh, for Algerians. You know, this is the call of uh, people who have been, you know, silent for uh, for a while. Uh, um, and again, uh, they want their dignity back. I think this is the slap that they don't, uh, they won't accept. Uh, this is a humiliation uh, for them. Uh, being run, as they say it, in a very humoristic way, um, for which Algerians are very known, we don't want to be uh, governed by a frame. Uh, the frame is the reference of this, uh, you know, portrait of Bouteflika who has been carried out uh, by his supporters uh, for events uh, in which he couldn't actually participate in person. So they, they, they um, hold a picture of him and instead of yeah, him yeah. in person. So they call him like the president exactly. by frame. And that's quite crazy. That's absurd. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at the beginning, Algerians were laughing about it and they were, uh, you know, um, but today, I felt the anger. I felt the shame. Uh, some of them told uh, told me, we feel ashamed now to say we are Algerian because we are mocked by everybody, including our neighbors and uh, friends. And this is unacceptable. Uh, in a country where 55% um, of the population is under age uh, 35, uh, being run by a president who is 82 and who is terribly sick and cannot talk and walk and who hasn't been able to address his people for six years, 
is a shame. So uh, a lot of the uh, analysis that I've I've read uh, about um, you know, Bouteflika and the situation, and I'm wondering if you agree, you know, seem to suggest that you know he, part of the reason he was able to survive for so long as an effective political leader, and part of the reason that Algeria was a able to avoid a lot of the Arab Spring protests in you know, 2011 was um, that he was able to direct state resources um, towards individuals and, and towards sectors of society in order to placate them. And he was able to do so while the price of hydrocarbons and the price of oil and natural gas was, was high. So the, the state coffers were, were full. But ever since 2014, when natural gas and oil prices slid, his ability to buy off the opposition and to placate individuals has um, been stymied. And so Algeria has stumbled into this economic crisis and this economic malaise, which is sort of propelling and inspiring the protests as well. I'm wondering if, if you can talk a little bit about the relationship between Algeria's economy and, and the protests. Well, that's true. Uh, it is true. And I explain it in my uh, my study published for the Carnegie Middle East Center called Limiting Change Through Change, in which I explain how uh, what are the secrets behind the longevity of the Algerian regime. And I explain it that if this regime has been able to survive since 1962, it is because of its capacity to adapt. It created self-mechanism, uh, self-adaptation mechanism. So uh, this is what it did in the 90s. And then after the 90s, we had the riots of 2001. And then we had the Arab Spring. Uh, and we had the drop in oil prices. And each time what the Algerian regime did is uh, an important and delicate uh, the moment of instability. Uh, the Algerian regime um, disseminated, if I may say, resources. These resources appeared sometimes in, a, in the form of political resources, such as the reforms that have been offered to the people in 2012, uh, or in, in form of economic resources, as it was the case in 2012 onwards, when uh, the regime was able, through its connection, its patrons, and its, uh, its clientelist, uh, if I may say, network, buy social peace. But today, it is no longer possible to do that. Uh, you know, um, we are no longer in 2012 when Algeria had sizable foreign exchange reserves. Uh, back then, Algeria ranked eighth in the world. Since mid-2014, there has been a drop in oil prices, as you said, and foreign exchanges reserve shrank dramatically. Uh, and they went from one... 194 billion dollars in 2013 to 96 billion in 2019. Uh, the stabilization fund has been consumed and uh, the economic grow growth, sorry, that was uh, actually in 2014 already, you know, low, standing at something around 3.8% uh, is now at 23 Add to that that the budget deficit is at 9% of GDP uh, and that the, the state is actually heavily in debt uh, with an internal debt of the Algerian treasury that went from 8% in 2015 to 48% in 2017. And finally, there is the problem of the inflation that reached 5%. So with which money they are going to buy social peace? Mm -hmm. This is no longer possible today. 
So the only possible thing that they might do is disseminate, again, political resources. But again, we saw it yesterday with the move uh, that they had uh, with uh, Abdelghani Zalan coming and saying that if President Bouteflika is re-elected, uh, he is going to uh, call for anticipated elections in one year and he will step down. It is as if almost they are begging the people to let them stay in power. And this is what has been outrageous for the Algerians. So finally, can you tell me what um, indicators or, or events or moves will you be looking forward to, or will you, will you be, pardon me, will you be looking to in the coming, you know, days and weeks and months that will suggest to you how this sort of moment in Algerian history will play out and whether or not the protests will be successful, whether or not there may be violence? Are, are there any indicators or events or um, anything else that, that will suggest to you how this will shake out over the next weeks and months? Well, first of all, um, uh, the first move uh, is uh, for me to go back to Algiers. As I told you, I came back yesterday, but I am uh, going to leave uh, Beirut uh, with uh, during the weekend because I need to be there, you know, to observe. But also, you know, it's very important for me as an Algerian to leave that moment. Uh, I will look at the demonstrations first. I, I, I really want to see whether the Algerian demonstrators are going going to be able to keep up with their peaceful, uh, their, the peaceful nature of their protests. And I believe that this will be the case. I am afraid, though, of the violence that might come from the security forces. Uh, videos uh, showed, and even I assisted to an event during the March 1st, in which it was some of the police. I insist on some of the police, because the majority were very peaceful. They were even, some even cried. Um, so, some of the policemen present were, you know, teasing, if I may say, the protest, and they were uh, trying to get reaction from them. So the first is uh, the reaction of the, the security forces. The second is to observe the reaction of the état-major, the military. The military has been very silent for the moment, and we don't know what is their their move. Uh, so I will be looking at uh, that. And of course, it goes without saying uh, that I am going to observe what uh, kind of declaration and what kind of move we are going to receive uh, from the part of uh, of um, the Bouteflika side. Uh, well, thank you so much for your time. Merci, Docteur. Uh, this was very You're helpful. Welcome. It's a pleasure. All right. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Dr. Dalia Ghanem. That was very helpful. And yeah, as I mentioned at the outset, it really does, I think, provide the context for understanding events as they unfold. You know, as Algeria goes, uh, you know, so goes the region potentially. Very interesting stuff. Also, uh, one quick uh, plug, request, ask. Please leave a review of the show on iTunes. It's a great way of spreading the word of the show. The more reviews the show gets on iTunes, the more likely Apple is to recommend the show to people who are interested in foreign policy podcasts. So please leave your review. You'd be helping spread the word about the show. Thank you. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye.